Welcome to the Cost of Goods Told podcast. My name is Connor. I'm a chef and media producer. I am joined, as always, by my co-producer, Darren Lafferty, who Hello. is a veteran in the uh, food service industry. We like to say super veteran, but we do have some veterans and some super veterans here with us. We are joined today by Bob and Ann Laws, owners of the Monument Inn. <laughs> what and I mean it's 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 an establishment. Is that a so. hotel or no no no? This is this so is the Monument Inn restaurant. Monument Inn restaurant. Oh, do okay, I have to okay. clarify? This thing's been around for <laughs> I mean, a while. You know, there's so. people under rocks. They they're not they're not always aware. That's very true. That's very true. Um, we'd like to say a quick thank you to our sponsors, Duke's Premium Meats. We are also recording here at Beavers, like we do most weeks. Shout out to Beavers. Shout out to them for hosting us and giving us an awesome spot. Um, Bob and Ann, I know that y'all brought your family here, so this is a great place to to, to bring them. It, it I know you guys work like crazy, so this is awesome. You know, to have this space that you know people you know want to come and. Uh, actually hang out and, and then talk to us as so well. So when they get so. away from their restaurant, they have another restaurant yeah, to go right, to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else to cook. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it. We really do. There is a lot to cover um, from from the beginnings to a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, we have a lot of listeners in the industry as well um, who I think could benefit from y'all's wealth of knowledge. Um, so, you know, we, we, we want to kind of start from, from beginnings. And so we'll probably do that. And, and, and this part right here is just kind of y'all's background leading up to, you know, um, what it is today and then, you know, moving forward and so forth. So, um, Bob, why don't you give us a little bit of background if you don't mind on, on your experience? Um, I heard it kind of, Starting s- at what age? well, you could start with probably the catering with the, the movie, uh, the movie industry. That sounded pretty darn yeah, interesting. So we moved down here in the heat wave of 1980 and, uh, we were both working in restaurants and I called my friend up, my best friend in New York, where I grew up upstate New York. And I said, you need to come on down here. We need to do something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what, but something. And so he moved down and we were working in different restaurants during that time. And, um, we started actually, a, it was called Designer Deli. All the, Houston was gone crazy. The one ads were three inches thick. And so we started Designer Deli where we would make sandwiches and deliver to the high rises in the Galleria area. We were at some work, we lived. And so we did that for a while. We were kind of doing it on the sly of one of the apartments. <laughs> That's my next question was gonna be, did you have a brick and mortar or were you still no, running a catering truck or? So, but we had a little VN, uh, v, uh, VW that we used to <laughs> drive around to these different uh, office buildings and they'd place their order and we'd go and deliver the sandwiches and then of course the health department shut us down. Well, I was gonna say, there's probably a statute of limitations for yeah, that now, that, but yeah, back then. Very long. So anyways, but it gave us an idea that there was a market out there to do something during that same time, um, an older gentleman, I mean, not, I mean, not as old as I am now, he's like 45 or something, he moved into the complex across the way. And he worked for an ad agency out of Connecticut. And he was moving to Houston. His family was staying in Connecticut because there was a transition and the kids were still in school. And we met him and, and he knew that uh, we were hard workers because we were working all work at that time, two or three jobs at a time. And, and uh, we were hard workers, and he knew that I kind of knew how to cook. So um, <laughs> he basically approached us and said, you guys really need to think about starting your own catering business. Hmm. And if you do, um, I think I can get you some jobs catering some commercials. Nice. Yeah, he was in charge of filming. Okay. And so uh, so we basically did. We, we went all in. I think I $3,000 is what I kicked in. And my partner, and that was like all we had, right? 
And then $3,000, my partner kicked in. We bought this old box van, which is like an old plumbing van, right? And we, uh, it was used. It was a piece of junk. And we put a refrigerator in there and a little stove in there and hooked it up to propane. And, and off we went. Next thing you know, we're working these commercials. And um, Pulte Home. Pulte Homes, all the HLMP things, all the commercials okay. you see on TV, right? So yeah, yeah. It normally take three or four days to shoot. So um, they'd have to have food. There's no yeah. 20, 30 people there on the site. And uh, those same people worked movies, right? That right. If you're a gaffer or an you know, electrician, you are you do both. You do movies or commercials and stuff. Um, we did a good, everybody liked us and liked us a lot. And uh, the <laughs> One day we get a phone call. This is part your your best part. So so one day we were working the commercials, and then that was only two or three days uh, every two weeks or so. And then we'd go back to our job, our other jobs, and we'd make more money doing cooking. And oh, you had multiple jobs. So you had a real yeah, job, jobs. and you were just run, run a side hustle. Is, is I worked lunches downtown at Harborough's, happy hour at Black Angus, and bartended and cocktailed at Hulahan's. Holy cow. And he was cooking at um, Houlihan's and then the other restaurant. And then the place next door. Yeah. We could, we had one car, so we could only, one of us had to walk to work. So she took the car to downtown. Of course. Of course. Galleria, so that's the reason why I chose Houlihan's, because I could only walk to work. So, and, uh, so the phone rang, and I answered it. And they said, he's, he's you know, Bama, uh, or not Bama, it was um, Gala Catering. And, you know, can I speak to someone? I said, they're not here right now. Can I take a message? And they said, yeah, I want to book them for production. I said, perfect. You know, how, you know, what are the hours? And they said, Monday through Friday, whatever, eight to five. And I said, oh, great, thinking one week. And then it was HBO calling and they said, six days a week for six weeks. Oh. And I went, wow. I was like, oh my gosh, we just won the lottery. Finally, the finally. So that was the big was, break. Right? Yeah. So I get the call for HBO and they did a, uh, it was called Lone Star Barn Grill, and it was a six-week shoot here in Houston. Okay. They built sets and everything. It was on the southwest part of town, and, and then so we catered that. Of course, that went well, and people liked us. And then next thing you know, the phone starts ringing from other people in, in Austin and in Houston, San Antonio, and, and Dallas uh, to do these movies. And so we had this old box van, and... That wasn't going to cut it anymore because <laughs> the movies were getting bigger. Right. And it wasn't smaller crews or anything. So we ended up buying a trailer to accommodate the massive. So not not part of the original plan. No, this is not. We're, we're definitely veering off the original plan. So, what I, so what's interesting about the story, just from that part, right? So you had all this history before, is that you literally probably on a napkin said, let's go to Houston and see if we can start some food companies or something to do with food. We'll figure it out. Then someone who's moving from Connecticut comes down and says, you should probably really think about doing something with food. I can probably get you some jobs. Again, on a napkin. What is so much easier to start a business back then than it is now? I, I think it's true. <laughs> I mean, and plus, a lot of it is just karma and luck. We never would have met this guy. Sure. And um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what would happen. So right. it was just... Some guy that was moving down here that just happened. We live right across the way in a condo complex. And he was there for four or five months while his kids were going to school in Connecticut. Once school was over, they were all they were buying a house in, in Houston. Right. And we just happened to have a good connection. He saw us, and you know we hung out with them whenever we had a chance. And uh, and I, 
a lot of fortunate breaks. Yeah. How do you have any idea how HBO got your information? No. But it was a big break you needed, obviously. It the, but it was from. Were you advertising at all? From, no, it was from one of the. Then you did the, a movie with George Kennedy in Galveston, and you went down to Corpus and did a movie, yeah. and you went to Austin, and then the big break was. He got a call from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas to do Born on the Fourth of July no, in that Dallas. Was all- oh, nice. Oliver Very nice. Stone, sorry, Oliver Stone in Dallas with Tom Cruise. <laughs> but it's all a big circle, so it's like right. all the all the, They the, talk to each other. Right. All the TV and movie people, they all know each other, right? So obviously out of the back of your van on a little stove with a little refrigerator, you didn't make anyone sick. <laughs> and it was good enough that someone spread the word. What kind of food were you doing at the time, if you don't mind me? We were doing everything. I mean, so it was, um, I mean, you had, you have a captive audience. And so you have to serve them breakfast and lunch, sometimes dinner, five, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Mm. And you have to mix it all up. You can't do the same thing over and over again. So, right. Um, Ann always says, well, what's for dinner tonight? And I'll open up the refrigerator. And I'll just look in there, and I'll look at stuff, and well, we're going to have this tonight. Well, how'd, how'd you know we are going to have that? Well, I didn't know until I opened up the fridge. <laughs> so, well, so do you have a culinary background? Are you a chef? Did you go to did you no, go? I to, didn't go to culinary school. Okay. I just kind of have always had you, You've been creative. You've been creative. I've worked in restaurants since I was 13 years old. So. Okay. So food is very familiar to and you. It's familiar to me, and uh, I always um, tell people, and they ask me, it's like, well, you know how some people can – when they're eight years old and you go down the rodeo and you see how they paint those paintings yeah. of horses and stuff, well, they didn't have any training either. They just happened to have a okay. a knack. So. <laughs> so you just tapped into the left side of the brain and said, yeah, I, I can make to, some things. I I'm good. I just happened to have a knack. Okay, good. Well, I think the other thing that I liked about what you've said so far is, you know, that element of, yeah, there's luck involved. And I think that everybody, and in, in, in no matter what career that you have, there's going to be an opportunity for that luck. It's just, are you ready for it? Have you done a good job? Have you been a good person, you know, for that opportunity to to arrive, you know? So, like, if someone's in this industry and they're grinding it out and they just haven't had that break yet, it's just one of those where it's like, you just got to be ready. You got to put on your game face every day. You've got to go out there and do a good job every single day so that when that opportunity does come, that break happens. You're right. You know? Answer the door. I, I, agree, I agree with that. Well, it sounds like also, a Bob, and you believe in mm-hmm. yourself and you had a support system, too. Yeah. You believe that you had the capability. Right, you believe you could pull it off, right. and yes, I have five pieces of bologna and a couple <laughs> so, tortillas and some so. and some stinky cheese. I can make you something yeah, to eat. So yeah, so that kind of took off um, unexpectedly and uh, and and really fast. So I only had the catering business for ten years. My partner, my ex partner, still does it. Really, and he oh. does, and he's nationwide. We were nationwide when I left too. So we ended up having three trailers with basically full kitchens in the trailers <laughs> and walk-in refrigerators, walk-in freezers. Wow! The whole the whole enchilada. I mean, they were. It was beyond. Buff- and what was, year was this? What year was this? 1983. So, so early 80s. Early 80s. Yeah, okay. Early 80s, yeah. yeah. So we were way I mean, you five entrees, two vegetarian for three, four hundred people every day. Now, I don't, I, you weren't even born then, but um, was that? <laughs> I mean, were you? Was that trailer ahead of its time? Yeah, it was definitely. Because you describe that, and I think of you know the big trailers now. That's I mean, all walk-ins and everything's stainless steel, and so it was. It was definitely the predecessor, and it was probably the predecessor to the food truck. That's what I was here now. Um, The food trucks are smaller, but my ex-partner has gone to smaller trucks for Mm -hmm. some unknown reason with a whole bunch of support vehicles. 
Well, equipment you have need to support vehicles to carry. Sure, sure, right? sure. Well, equipment's gotten smaller. Technol technology has gotten better, right? It's a smaller footprint, and so yeah, it's it's probably. So basically, they cook all the smaller trucks, but they have a refrigerated truck sitting right there, mm -hmm. backed up to the back gotcha. door, right? Gotcha. Yeah. And that whole kind of thing. So. Very cool. And they have a whole truck that's uh, just for dry storage and for washing dishes, and it's all it's a whole moving <laughs> restaurant. So you did that for ten years, roughly, right? So eighty-three to ninety-three. Somewhere in there. Yeah, to 90. Eight. Yeah. We started in the 90. very beginning when I first moved in, in 1980. And we started dabbling in the, in the catering thing almost right away. Um, so when you got towards the end of that, the 80s, mm -hmm. what, what changed your direction? Were you bored? Did you want to do something else? Did you just split up from the partner? I mean, how did the business go? Oh, you're pointing at your children. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you, so you had a family. Okay. We, we, we didn't, but when we found out we were going to, it changed a little. And for those who just tuned in, that is Ann. And it was okay. I mean, like young and dumb. And we were 30, yeah. and he's traveling, and I'm traveling, and we're, you know, going and blowing and moving and grooving, and, and everything's fine. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a baby. Back in the 80s, they called it a dink, a dual income, no kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dink. That's, and that's what we were. Dink. So we were both, we were both working a lot. She was... Uh, by the time we had Michael, she was director of operations for five restaurants. Wow. And so she was overseeing all five of those. So we had a good restaurant background. And yeah. When she first started working for them, she was a waitress. And then like a month later, assistant manager. Like three months later, general manager. A year later than that, district manager. I mean, and really, so it was all crazy. We were working and at that end, as the movies kept on getting bigger and bigger, I'm working in LA, I'm working in Massachusetts, I'm working in Utah, I'm working wherever, wherever the movies are, right, the locations move, so, and, uh, heck, I never even got home, we'd fly home, I'd fly home on weekends, and we would try to plan it, in the beginning, we would take any movie we could get, mm -hmm. then as we got more and more popular, we got a little bit more selective on which movies we would pick, and then, and then we made sure that we picked movies that start dates, were a couple weeks at least after the end date. Sure, give, you, give yourself a break, kind of recharge. It worked. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So you were all over Bob, and Ann, you were you were at one place for five restaurants, is that right? Two of them were in Dallas. Okay, oh, so not in here. Houston. Yeah. Not. Three here, two in what Dallas. What was the name of that company? Chefalaya River Cafe. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so they he opened on Westheimer in 84. We opened Airtex by the airport in 86, and we opened Arlington and Addison in 87. Okay. So busy, busy. Yeah. So strangers passing in the night, yes. pretty much, you yeah, know. That was that. Yeah. That's insane. That's that's um, that's kind of, I guess, typical for the restaurant industry, and I think that that's one of the reasons why one, it's hard for people in the restaurant industry to find someone outside of the industry, but it's almost good that they do because someone's got to have someone gets to stay home with time. the kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or something, you know. Yeah. So, um, and if you could kind of give us because. You know, Bob, you talked about opening all this and, and, and building up to it. And the I know we said that you moved into that director position and so forth. But a little bit before that, while he's running around, you know, is it just 
every day you know just you know all day with the restaurants yeah. well when you're opening a restaurant it's insane mm-hmm. right like you you know the first week after you open it i mean you'd go to bed or leave to go to the hotel like across the parking lot at three in the morning and you'd be back at eight in the morning i mean mm-hmm. you were you were there like 20 hours a day mm-hmm. um, and then after like three weeks it starts to taper off a little bit your staff kind of knows what's going on and all of that so 86 and 87 was spent in Dallas a lot. He was actually doing a movie that might have been when you were doing Born on the Fourth of July. He was in Dallas. I was in I Arlington, and we <laughs> we were there like six weeks together. We saw each other like once. We did couldn't even manage. A and few as crazy hours. as it sounds, I know it's within close proximity, but still Arlington's what forty five minutes away yeah. from wherever Dallas, yeah, wherever you were. Yeah. Same city, so you, yeah, you, you're talking you know west yeah. side to east side in Houston. Yeah. So yeah, because it's not. Oh, I'm done with the the lunch shift or whatever, or maybe oh, even the yeah. dinner shift, and shut it down. You got to go out and get supplies. Yeah, you know, so you, the thing <laughs> is, is that we would uh, Cisco would basically we'd set up a national account with them when they would deliver to our location. So, what our location? We might be filming here today, but tomorrow we're filming up in the woodlands for two days, right. <laughs> and then we're going to be filming in Katy for a couple of days, and then the next week we're filming nights. So you don't have to start until the first meal will be at dinner at six o'clock, and then the second meal will be at midnight. So you go from days to nights, from location to location. That's crazy. It was crazy. No, it is crazy. That's two hectic schedules. Because I mean, yeah. the other thing too is, yeah, you may be opening up one restaurant. You know, you may have to focus all your energy on that, but you're going to get a call from somebody else. There's another fire to put out somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and so, you know, the, just not being able to turn it off at at any point. That's that's crazy. We bought our first home in uh, November of 87, and we didn't stay there until <laughs> it was like Christmas Eve. Yeah. And you just don't, just for an investment purpose? No, no, I mean, no. Just, we lived there, but we oh. weren't here. We were both in Dallas doing our I home. see. I see. <laughs> you have the home. Such. The home has a forwarding address. <laughs> you know, to, I mean, well, we had a friend crazy. who stayed there, and so she was kind of making it her home, and she <laughs> left. And the doorbell would ring, and we'd answer it. We'd, they'd be like, is Carolyn here? <laughs> like, no, and they're like well where is she it's like well, i don't know who are you i live here you live here i live here <laughs> so that all changed in 1990 okay when we had michael and so um the owner of the chapla river cafe sold the four chapla river cafes to the ninfas group okay so he sold those but he also owned the monument at the same time so, oh but he thought he had the midas touch and he was going to take all these millions that he made from the sale of the restaurants. And he didn't want the monument in anymore. It was too far away. He never went down there anyhow. And was actually director of operations over the monument at the time. Oh, really? It wasn't at the same location as that now, but she mm-hmm. was a director of operations. And so one day um, when she was walking past their account, He sold office, in November to, to the Lorenzo Group or Mama Ninfa. And then it was right around Christmas, and I'm expecting and due in November. And he's talking to his CPA, and his CPA said, well, she would be perfect. And I heard my, I backed up and said, I would be perfect at what? And he said to buy the restaurant, buy the Monument Inn. She's, she's a minority. It would be a great SBA loan. She'll probably get it without a problem. And then you can buy it from him. So that meant he can come home. <laughs> we can be together. We can raise our family. Yep. And he's not on the road anymore. And that's now. Were you looking for a restaurant? 
So you just had a great <laughs> reputation. They liked you. There yeah. was some there was some ad, some advantages for them. Uh-huh. You know, for a woman to own the restaurant, they get some tax breaks and, and that kind yes, of thing. The VA back then was big in the lending to women and minorities, and they still kind of are. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's that's what they do. So, and she fit the profile perfectly. She was already basically in charge of running the place. Even sure. She wasn't managing it. She was overseeing the management team there. So, um, so you became so an I owner. Sold, yeah, I saw. I sold my half of the catering business to my partner, and uh, used that money as a down payment. And then, now where was that located back then? It was down the street, basically like a mile. Across. From the ITC, where the ITC fire. So the recent ITC fire. Almost directly right across the street. There. So that began your your long run down at the Monument Inn. Yeah, since 1990. Yeah. Well, perfect. I think that that's a good yeah. spot to yeah. to end part one. We're gonna come back with part two and and definitely talk about this this adventure because there's there's a lot now to cover yeah, again too an interesting past just a yeah, bit i was yeah. just saying say, I mean, we've got to bring the tequila in here in a minute yeah. just say, man. it's like a kaleidoscope going on any second now i'm gonna have my wife listen to this and been like it could have been like this you know like i know i've been working in the restaurant since i was 15 years old but you yeah. know it could have been like that yeah. so <laughs> well awesome well we'll be right back we're gonna hear, uh listen to a word from uh duke's premium meats yep. and we'll be right back with part two Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www. DukesPremiumMeats.com. So, welcome back to Cost of Goods Told. I'm uh, Darren Lafferty here with Chef Connor. Uh, special guests today are Bob and Ann Laws from the Monument Inn Restaurant. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for having us. With your crazy, crazy weekend and crazy weeks in the restaurant business, we appreciate you know the fact you took some downtime to come and hang out at, at Beavers on Westheimer. And yeah, our pleasure. So, you know, if if you're just tuning in. The first segment was about you know how you got to this how you got to this crazy life of being in the restaurant business, and it came through catering and and doing jobs for HBO and and very large cinema companies you know big production movies, so that's pretty cool. Um, so if we ever need tickets, I'm sure we can get those from you. <laughs> you can call uh, who was it? What was the biggest one? It was um, not Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. Tom, yes. Can you get Tom Cruise on the phone for us? That would that'd be good. Well, you did. Um, you did uh, Harrison Ford. You did Indiana Jones. We did a lot of big movies. I'm sure. That's exciting. That makes it all worth it too. Yeah. Right. So, and, and part two, we want to talk about. So that's where you're kind of coming from. You've survived. You look young and youthful and. Look how calm he That's is. That's just genetic. I don't know. Maybe it's the vodka. I, yeah. Maybe well, it's, it's the a gin and tonic, right? <laughs> or the gin. Maybe it's a the double. Gin. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's a, it's a crazy industry, and and uh, from the first time I've met you, it's very soft spoken and calm and cool and you know, as cool as the underside of the pillow is, is the way I like to describe it. So, uh, but let's talk about now. You know where you are today. I know that you know you guys are you own the Monument Inn restaurant uh, right there in Laporte, Texas, on Independence Parkway. But when we when we took a break. The first location was originally not where it is now. Can you tell us about that, where that was, and then, then why the change in location? What happened? 
there were three restaurants down there. There, the, there was the San Jacinto Inn, Lynchburg okay. Crossing Restaurant, which is where we're at now, and it's on the water's edge by the ferry, and then the Monument Inn. Okay. And we bought the restaurant um, June 30th of 89, 90, of 90. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a call on January 1st from the manager saying that there was a fire. And I was like, okay, we'll get a fire hydrant. <laughs> Put it out, thinking a grease fire in the kitchen. Can we get it out, right? And uh, and he said, it's a little larger. And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? Get in my car and drive down? And he said, when you get here, it will be gone. Hmm. And he's sitting next to me in bed going, who is it? What do they want? What are they saying? And we were going I hung up time. and I oh, said, really? the, the, by the time oh we get gosh. there, the restaurant will be gone. And what? how long had you owned the restaurant? Six months. Six months. <laughs> the restaurant had been there since 1974? That's when it started, yeah. That's when it... Yeah. So you guys took over and six months later burned to the ground essentially. Uh-huh. That wasn't uh-huh. so good, yeah. Burn and so did you go skiing? That's what I, I mean, did you? <laughs> oh come on. It would have been there when you got back. I mean <laughs> that was, uh, that was uh, a setback. Was it so was it electrical fire or I mean just something just sort of I think it was a uh, cigarette butt in the linen bag. The linen ba- the linen house right. was right against the wall to the restaurant. It's an old wooden building, but yep. it was. And they think they just he didn't jump and ignited, and that's it. So, I'm sure it was devastating because you had six months in with an investment, right? That uh, and you were, you were all in, paying your bills and taking care of business, and then that. So, what do you do? Well, then we didn't really know what to do. So um, we knew that uh, we couldn't afford to rebuild. The insurance money paid off the loan, and okay. we had like fifty thousand dollars left. Over. Okay. And so. Uh, we were calling uh, the all of the in. plants down there because this is the day when you had a ledger and they would have a banquet and you would put, say, ExxonMobil or Lubrizol yep. and they had a party last night for $4,000. It was all up in smoke. So mm. we had no idea who owed us what. And wow. all we could do was call the companies and say, if you if you owe us money, can you please write a check? Please pay, right? Please yeah. pay, yes. Quick, quickly. <clears throat> so at that same time, so... Um, the San Jacinto Inn had closed by that point, and that was closer down to where the Battleship Texas is. Okay. okay. So that building was in total disrepair, and it wasn't even a viable option to even approach anybody to go there. The Lynchburg Crossing restaurant, which is where we're currently at, was a building that was, st- was still there, but it hadn't been used in maybe like three or four years. Mm-hmm. They used to call it Acid Beach because the kids used to go down there <laughs> and go and do acid and stuff on the beach right there outside the restaurant. Okay. And it was basically a hangout where you weren't supposed to be hanging out, right? So, um, but that became available, and so we leased the building, and then we basically just started remodeling on a shoestring. And that was how many weeks after, or how many, well, we or a month? Up Six weeks after we, we signed the lease wow. to take over Ju- uh, January twentieth, and we opened March sixth. Holy cow! So about six, yeah. And we were terribly underinsured with the fire. We had a million dollar policy, and the adjuster walked the property in and said, "If you have three million, I'd write you a check, no questions asked." Right. Um, so with the million, he happily gave that to us and said bye. And so to rebuild, we didn't have the money, or it would have been a couple of years to come up with well, an we architect. Nine fifty in our loan. Right. right. So, yeah. so, so pay the million paid off the SBA. Simple math. So yeah. Get time yeah. to get the loan for the remodel. That was easy. Two hundred fifty. They was processed it in like a we minute. We paid off our first loan in six months. That's no. why your debt was low. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your income was low, but your debt was low too. Right? <laughs> that credit score was phenomenal. <laughs> so oh my gosh. That's what we did. We borrowed two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. And uh, and then 
just did what we could. Everybody from the old restaurant, kind of like what happened during the ITC thing. It's kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, we all pitched together and and did it. Made it happen. We had a contract and stuff, but our employees were scraping windows and painting and ripping out plants. We didn't have any money, so we we took all the shrubbery from the old location and we hooked it up to the pickup truck and we yanked that stuff out and we dug a hole down and no way and we <laughs> replanted it uh-huh. and replanted it yeah. they're still there yeah three bushes <laughs> <laughs> three bushes out of yep absolutely it doesn't sound like a very uh, gentle process when you yeah, say was, hooked hooked, hooked <laughs> up a truck and ripped it out of the ground there's three of them that are still there so when you when you took over the establishment, since it's it's kind of been there for such a long period of time, were you hey look we're gonna take the same formula and just you know mm-hmm. keep yeah, keep it working? It and our sales went up immediately being on the water. So you don't want to say wow that fire was a really good thing, but the fire was a, a, a kind of a good thing. Did it also give you a chance to maybe make your own identity to the monument in? One of the things for the old location, we had banquet rooms that could seat 185. Mm-hmm. And at the new location, we can seat almost, yeah, 350, 400. Okay. So that was huge. The dining room, I think at the old one was 200 and we seat 265. Mm-hmm. So it was great. To it, be was it was an upgrade. It was an upgrade. Well, being on the water uh, was a big plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, through the years, we found out it still is a big plus, but it definitely has those downfalls too. So I mean, uh, well, we've had Ike, we've had Harvey, we've had uh, Tropical Storm Allison. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had our issues there with the water too. So. And so for those who haven't been to the Monument Inn restaurant, right, the lower level is all primarily all catering, private rooms, yeah. right, private rooms, and then you go up some stairs, maybe a, a flight and a half, maybe. Yeah, maybe I think it's twenty stairs. Mike okay. Tell you. Where the main the main <laughs> kitchen is and the dining room that overlooks the water. Right. Right. So during Ike and during Harvey, obviously as you mentioned, the all the catering areas flooded out. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Good. But the upstairs was okay. It was upstairs intact. Was and, good. Yeah. Okay. Good. So there's one plus to, to having a restaurant on stilts, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like a house in Galveston. So right. we took over the place. They never used the downstairs at the old okay. at the Lynchburg Crossing. Okay. That was just. Basically, it was that still. So it was like a house in Galveston, right? Right. So they never used it. But when we looked at it, we were like, well, why don't we use this? Of course, we didn't know that there was hurricanes and things. That we had. <laughs> but we're like, well, look at all this space here. We can convert into private yep. rooms or something. And we didn't do it originally. We got the upstairs going. And then we kind of converted the downstairs into the private rooms. And then. And so to, in today's business case, or, you know, for your business model, what do you think the breakdown is between between businesses catering downstairs and upstairs? 80-20. Okay, so downstairs 80, is 20 80. and upstairs is 80. Yeah. Okay. But it's great supplemental income. I mean, it's sure a part is. of your business plan, right? It's so the cream. It's the cream of the... Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. So, Bob, what was the biggest learning curve going from, okay, you know what, we're doing the, the catering side, we're doing kind of the, the pop-up, you know, we're doing you know, the, these these mobile units versus a standalone restaurant. I know, and you, you were in the, you know, kind of the restaurant world. So what was the biggest learning curve for you? For me, it was probably a lot harder transition than it was for her because she was working in restaurants. I worked in restaurants going up, but then I did that catering stint where it's basically, you weren't a restaurant. Right. Every, every, every different cities, different yeah. locations, different meals every day. I remember Oliver Stone coming up to us this is like four or five. We did all of his movies, right? And I, I don't remember what even which movie this was, but he comes up to us, and of course he knows us, and 
he comes up, he goes, I want a different pasta dish every single day, and I don't want you to repeat it any, any single day. <laughs> for six weeks. No, for, for two months, yeah. Good, yeah. And so you get those kind of things. And sure. That's how, you, that's how you're asking me, well, how do you know what to cook when you open the refrigerator? Well, that's, you kind of figure it out. And right. You, but restaurants are more structured things. So. Right. So that was my next question is, so once you went from the outside world, right, lots of movement, different scenery, different places, when you finally get your home inside of a restaurant and you go to the same building inside the same four <laughs> walls every single day, how do you deal with the monotony? Of that compared to being in the outside. Oh, here she goes. <laughs> used to being cooking. He cooked every day. He had to, you know, prepare food for 200, 500, however many people. And so when we bought the restaurant, where could I find Bob? In the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I would say, honey, you're an owner and you need to come out and you need to learn the front of the house. You need to learn how to host and answer the phone and make a drink and all of that. He'd be, I, I just got It was him. my comfort zone, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just was working on getting him out of there when the restaurant burned. So then when we reopened in May or March, where did, where's Bob? Back in the kitchen again. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It took me a, a long time for, I just kept saying, you're not an hourly person. You don't need to be chopping and dicing and slicing. You need to be overseeing the whole thing. And I, you know, as from my experience too, as a manager and a leader in organizations, I would agree with you 100%. But, but sometimes also a great leader is leading in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Right? Or a great yeah. leader is leading out front. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you've said it yourself. That's where you're most comfortable. That is so, where most comfortable. So there's, there's some real comfort for your staff, too, seeing that leadership, you know, in the hot kitchen. And he appreciates. I know you treat your employees very well. And to see that type of leadership from you in the front and him in the kitchen and all, really goes a long way with your employees. You yeah, know, it so. does. And I've learned along the way that you need to take care of your employees how much of your own personal touch are you able to, were you able to put on the menu, you know? I really didn't put that much of my own personal touch on there, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a, a niche that works perfectly. Right. And so we haven't really tried to tweak it um, nice. through the years. There was a so. few years ago, and he just he, he's the one that wants to do something different, change the pasta dish, whatever. And we went to Cisco headquarters, and they came up mm-hmm. with some. They said, fried pickles are so popular. Everybody's putting fried pickles on their menu. So we tried their fried pickles and debated whether we should add them to our menu, and we really weren't a fan of it. But tried to create some other dishes, and then the, the customers... You took my favorite dish off. Are you kidding me? It's kind of like you can't touch it. And that's right. basically the way that that's basically the way it is. So um, we've, we've tried, tried filet, we've tried lobster, we've, we've tried, tried crawfish, we've stuff, tried. But uh, that's not what that's not what if they it want. Ain't broke, so don't fix it. You give them what they want. Yeah. Uh, the the reason why I ask is I was the executive chef of uh, Lamontes, which is on Highway Six and I Ten. Uh, mm-hmm. What used to be Pasta Lamontes, I mean, establishment that's older than I am. And when I came in, I started to do my personal touches on different things. I try to keep you know the core the core menu things right. kind of the right. same, but make it fresh to try and bring in you know because you've got new energy corridor people. You know you've got a you've got an influx of younger people yeah, who aren't generation looking, you know, coming. Yeah, up. I was yeah. like, man, this is the same lasagna I was eating when I was you know eight years old you know you know and as you know and barbie was was awesome and letting me do that but there was also the old guard too that was just like hey don't f with that connor you know like you know don't 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 touch that you know type of stuff so our place is more about history and longevity and 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 comfort so if people 
they go there because it's their comfort zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've been there, they've been going there for years. And uh, the cinnamon rolls. Well, you're the going there for your cinnamon the, rolls and the fried <laughs> shrimp, and you're going there for the things that you grew up with. And your grandfather goes in there for the same reason. And yeah. and so um, I mean, we run the numbers on everything that we sell and know what sells and what doesn't. And uh, even the things that don't sell, you'd be surprised. We were going to take fried scallops off um, maybe like six or seven years ago. I'm like, well, we don't sell that money. And we only sell like 300 orders a month or something. It's the lowest seller. Ten a day. Right? So I was right? like, yeah. So I said, let's, no, let's get rid of this and put something. Oh, my Lord. You would, think, <laughs> you, you would think that we were trying to change the world. And all of a sudden, every single scalp lover from who knows how far it came showed to. up yeah they protested up. Yeah, they, they definitely protested. They had a scallop suit on <laughs> free the scallops free the scallops i called it bring it back up let's go back to the old man <laughs> it was really like a six-week run with the uh, no fried scallops on it there was so much negative feedback now is that an east coast deal fried scallops yeah it is i don't know i don't know what the deal is yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh the people that love them, love them. There, there was a, uh, an East Coast company that came in to Houston. They had one in Cyprus and in Katy. And they, they uh, you know, they claimed they flew their, their uh, seafood in fresh twice a week on ice or that kind of. And that's the first time I had ever eaten fried scallops was there. Really? And my, so my wife loves scallops. I know we're getting all sidetracked, but, you know, I she love loves scallops. scallops. But then when <laughs> I saw fried scallops, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is replacing bluebell ice cream. <laughs> I mean, that's the cream of the, you know, the cream yeah, of the cream. Yeah. So that's why when you said that, I know you're from the East yep, Coast. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, I'll have to come back and try those. So one of the other things, Ike happened, you know, Harvey happened, but there was a, a giant fire, right? Which affected your, those all affected your business. And there was a giant fire at a plant located by you guys soon, uh, recently as well too. ITC is a company. Not that we want to throw them under the bus, but there was a fire there and it's all over the place. That greatly affected your business. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was a lot worse than the hurricane. So um, only because you couldn't plan for it, it right. just happened. And uh, hurricanes, we we have a hurricane checklist. So starting June first mm-hmm. every year to November the thirtieth, we've got guidelines set in place that. And I check the weather all the time. So if I see something spinning up anywhere, I'm on <laughs> it. I'm tracking it and the whole thing. And and we have we have our procedures that we go through. So we know that if we have a hurricane. We're going to maybe lose power, maybe not. And uh, the downstairs is going to flood. We take everything downstairs, upstairs. Yep. And we board up those windows. And we, you know. Pray. We take, we, we take all of our, we know that's coming. So we work down our perishable stuff to hardly anything. Yep. Anything that's frozen, we take off site to a portable uh, deep freeze place, you know, that's across the highway. So we don't lose anything because you always have to battle with the insurance company. So, sure. And so we're ready to go. And then so then, but and the building, of course, was built in 1970 or something. The thing is like a fortress. And so <laughs> it, that, I mean, the hurricane won't do anything to it, other than the fact that the bottom floor floods. Right. And so once, um, once the water goes down, it's kind of the same common thread you've heard before. Everybody gets together. And we go in there and we just start taking pictures and then we start ripping apart the sheetrock, ripping up the carpet, ripping up. I mean, every employee is there. Pretty yeah. much. So. And that's an amazing process because as a business owner, as business owners, you can not only keep them employed. So wait staff is not waiting tables, right? Yeah. And they're not getting no, whatever. The sheetrock. Yeah, but they're still employed. They still have a job. Yep. They still have a place to go. And, and that's if a you want to work. You can come work and I'll pay you. But this is what needs to be done. 
It's, and it's a family. So you're, yeah. you're treating them like family. You're employing them. You're taking care of them, which is a really great outlook. The very oh. first the, the very first thing with Ike it was funny because Ike was a bigger star, but you knew it was coming. There was track, and you got the cone thing, and you see it in the news, <laughs> and it's coming at you. And you're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So um, we remodel the restaurant probably like once every five years or so to keep it kind of fresh and a little bit yeah. different, different little look. And so we had our contractor who I'm good friends with, and I called up Fernando. I said, Fernando, I said, come down here, and I need to give you some money. What for? I said, I'm giving you a check for $10,000. I want you here the day that you can get down here as soon as the water recedes. So I give him the check for $10,000. Day the water recedes, we take our pictures and stuff. Our staff is there. We're ripping out the walls. We're changing, ripping up the carpet, which is nasty. It's just nasty. I'm sure. And his contract, his guys are there, and we're starting to work. And uh, I remember I placed the uh, insurance claim before the hurricane hit. I called up my guy and I said, we're going to get hit, so let's just place the claim now and be first on the list. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it if we weren't first on the list? <laughs> so the claim adjuster came. He flies in from Kentucky. He goes... And we showed him all the pictures and stuff we had, and he goes, well, you guys are really getting after it. And I said, well, yeah, so just, and, then, and that worked out great. So right. really the downstairs was uh, open again in six weeks. Huh. Once we got the power back on, the upstairs was open in 10 days. And so we're upstairs open, cash flowing a little bit, yeah. and then working on the bank rooms at the same time. So um, you, you say that so casually, and I, and I only, hope... Only because, because <laughs> yeah. right, right. But I think I think listeners, you know, you know, I, I know we've t- discussed about the the ins and outs of the restaurant industry. But if we have some new listeners, you know, kind of coming in or who aren't super familiar with the restaurant industry, ten days can sink you. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, a lot of restaurants are operating on oh, razor thin. If you're a mom and pop, you would be sunk. You would, yeah. you know, if you're if you have to wait for your insurance check to come and it could be three to six to nine months and you're small. Your customers have gone some other place. They've right. forgotten yeah. about you, yeah. and you you're sunk. I don't know. I you, I don't know what you do. Well, I've always been a saver. Yeah, I've always got the rainy day fund. Ever since back when we, except for those first couple years, we had absolutely no money. We slept on the carpet. Hmm. Uh, we. Uh, but you had coffee tables, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> end tables. You had end tables. We still have those. So, <laughs> so you are you better, a saver. Right? That's yeah. right. You yeah. are a saver. Yeah. So anyways, I've always had a rainy day fun because you just never know. I guess right. I'm old school. So, uh, um, yeah, most people probably wouldn't. And if you didn't, you would be sucked because at that point you would be stuck waiting for the insurance to come. And even though the insurance company, the flood insurance, does pay. They don't pay the full amount. Right. And they it, oh, We're they funding everything time. we're buying. This last we're year happened everything. right before Labor Day, and I was out on... Um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of Labor Day. If they were open, I was out and I was getting the car. I was driving down to Sugarland to look at carpet and tile and the you know wainscoting and all of that stuff. And you've got to give them money. You know, right. we're going to get it out of California. We can have it in here in ten days. What do I owe you? So sure. you need that money. If you if you were your hands were tied because you need that insurance money, then you're just sitting there waiting for it and you can't go forward. Right. So we're going to do a a series or we're going to do like a, a, a video or something where you can guide people through how to do this, you know, because, <laughs> you know, how to survive us. Yeah. We and really, it's kind of the scary part about it is like the managers now can probably do the whole thing without me even being there. And we've gone through the drill a few times. Yeah. And even then we always have a meeting every year right around this time of year 
where we go over the whole thing. What's going to happen if a hurricane comes? And we have we have the plan. So, yeah. but I used the ready day fund uh, this time, not for the hurricanes, uh, but for the ITC fire. So, so hold that, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. Okay, yeah. we're going to do a shout out to to Beavers, a shout out to Duke's Premium Meats. When we come back, we're going to jump into this whole explosion at ITC, which didn't affect your building per se, but affected your business drastically. So hold on to that, we're gonna come right back and we'll jump right into it. Okay, thank you. Stay tuned, we'll be right back with part three of Cost of Goods Told. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com. Hey, welcome back to uh, Cost of Goods Told. This is part three of uh, sitting here with, in an interview with Bob and Ann Laws of the Monument Inn Restaurant. Thank you for joining us and hanging out with us and giving us nice. some time today. Yeah, it's been, it's been really cool getting to know y'all and your past and some of the trials and tribulations and successes as Hell well. Of a story. It's, yeah, it's not been an easy road. <laughs> you know, the, the subject we're gonna cover now is, is one of those, uh, could be classified as a natural disaster, but it's probably created by man. Um, but there's a closely to you guys, maybe a mile and a half from your current location on Independence Parkway, 1.3 <laughs> miles is is a, a, a some sort of plant, a refinery. ITC is the name of the company. And they had a, a, a plant explosion recently. And while that plant did not affect your, your restaurant per se, the physical uh, portion of your restaurant, it did affect your business. And so I know that was a pretty rough spot. Can we talk about that a little sure. bit? So what happened at ITC and how did that affect your business? Well, uh, ITC is a chemical storage facility where those big tanks store 80,000 barrels of different chemicals in each tank. Wow. And so uh, one of those tanks caught fire and it was on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And my son was managing, he gives me a call, dad down the street, there's a tank on fire. I was like, okay, Which well. there's small fires that happens not regularly. From time to time. Yeah, yeah from yeah. time to time. I mean, you're working and with gas and over. So I said, give me a call back in a little bit and so uh, we'll see what happens. And so he gives me a call, my dad, they're making us get out of here. We need to, we need to go. And so I said, well, get everybody out. So we uh, packed up all of our stuff, threw it in the walk-in and uh, we left. We couldn't go down the road because of the fire and the benzene in the air. And so uh, we had to go the north way and everybody dispersed from there. Well, that was the, and then we couldn't get down there uh, but is it so so when you say we had to go north isn't north towards uh north would be towards i-10 north would be so towards you had to get on the ferry we're going yeah. away from the fire okay so you had to cross the body of water to get yeah, away from the restaurant right. which is never an easy thing to do regardless of what's happening no. it was all about which way the wind was blowing at that point okay so you had to go the opposite direction of which way the wind way. okay good all right so this plant it it, it blows up Right, there's a big fire. They're trying to get it under control. They close the roads down. They call your son's working. He's opening. Michael, he's opening that morning. And they say, hey, get everybody out. Okay, cool. So we're going home. And you think, they'll put it out. We'll be I'm back sure to business. And everything. Thought, yes, I got <laughs> <laughs> It's a Sunday. The two bad the Texans aren't playing today, right? Right, and right, right. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. But it turned into a big deal. So it went from tank to tank 
the tank. There were the eight. Tank. And so it, it was a big it was a big event. So it, was it a week? Was it two weeks? So how long were uh, you the shut fire down? Lasted probably I want to say five or six days. The fire itself. Right, Sunday, and it went. I, well, I felt like Wednesday, but then another fire started on Friday, and that's the one that really spilled the benzene, and it went into this um, farm ditch, and then from the ditch it went out to the ship channel. Wow. So that is the one that did the most damage, and the benzene, you know, everybody's in the hazmats, and they've got the masks on, and shelter inside. Shelter it wasn't, in Yeah, shelter. It really wasn't the first one. It was the second one. Right. And that was all according to which way the wind was blowing, oh, right? Oh, yeah, every day. Yeah. Gotcha. So for two weeks, we couldn't get down to the restaurant. So, so you're when, shut down. When I told Michael to close, he went and he closed, and everybody packed up their stuff from your station. You bring it in the walk-in, lock that up, lock the freezer up. We didn't clean anything. We were out of there. I mean, it, right. at that point, you would look at the news and, like, get everybody out of there. So um, it took two weeks for us to get access just to get down there and permission to get down there. So we... Um, I said I called ITC and I had a contact person. They to sign a contact. Person. Sure. Each person that's give you an update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, look, I said we need to get down there. I said I'm not gonna walk into that walk-in with all this fish and shrimp and oysters, raw oysters and stuff. I'm not going in there, freaking. We need to get down there and throw all that stuff out. That's worse than the benzene. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> was, it turned out to be worse than the benzene. They did the dumpster. They wouldn't let the trash company oh. down to dump the dumpster. Oh. Another two weeks past that. Wow. So, all of our uh, mail for all of the plants on that side, our businesses, was held at the um, the post office. So okay. you'd have to go to the post office because the Pick up postal your mail. carrier couldn't couldn't get beyond that point. Right. So we got we got a two hour window. And uh, they know weather board more than the weather guys, so they know exactly what's going to happen with the wind and stuff. All those plants are—they're big into the weather and the and the wind. Sure. And they said, okay, so this day here looks like a good time. We're going to give you a two-hour window. And so, okay, so during that that two weeks, that we had no access to a checkbook, no access to our banquet calendar for all the people that we were affected. Oh, that was scheduled. Telephone numbers. The employee telephone numbers, even though we had some threads going on, some group threads and stuff like that, but not everybody, right? Um, all the information that we had uh, was there. All the bills, everything that needed to be paid. I mean, everything was there. So I said, so two hours? Yeah, you know, that's what you got is two hours. And so we had all the managers got together and we got some kitchen guys together and we got caravan down there by the sheriff's department and the guy goes you got two hours hmm. and so we go in there and we, the office people did their office thing and we're starting to grab this and grab this make copies of this copies of that group text group threads and all this stuff because nobody knew what was going on and they right. kept asking me i'm like i i don't know what's going on because they didn't know what was going on so um kitchen staff took all that food backed up their pickup trucks to the elevator and they basically took it out to the dumpsters and threw it away everything was in the walk-in was thrown away thankfully except for the beer or the wine right so right. Uh, that didn't spoil that was that was a coping mechanism so that was thrown away and i heard there was a day or two that you had a couple of tequila shots before 12 o'clock. There are some bad days in there. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, mean, so I was like, are you kidding me? They said, no, Bob went to the bar, he grabbed the tequila, and I said, are you kidding me? You know what I respect about Bob? He neither confirmed nor denied that claim <laughs> and went right through that story. There was a lot of pressure going on during <laughs> oh, the I can days, imagine. So there was a lot of pressure going on, and, and the, the hardest part was is that um, I couldn't control anything. Right. 
I didn't have the, I couldn't. And who likes to control everything? I do like to control things. So, <laughs> um, so I couldn't control anything. And basically, and they couldn't tell me any more information. Yeah. When's the road going to open? We don't know. And, and so. We didn't know what, if it was going to be six days, six weeks, six months. We didn't know. We had people tell us you might never open again. So, um, so we didn't, we, didn't, we yeah, never, we never knew. So it was just a lot of uncertainty there. So, um, so that's a stressful time, obviously. It was stressful. Your business shut down. Your customers don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. Once your employees. We got book and all that kind of stuff. We things got my two office girls did a great job of calling people, and we're people were canceling left and right all their private functions. Sure. But we understood it wasn't sure. a big deal. So uh, yeah, and most of them, some of them rebooked, some of them didn't, and, and we just uh, did what we could, to and me, we built hardest. a lot of relationships with our customers when we call and say look we don't know what's going on we think that you should probably cancel it's 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 a week away we can't give you an answer as to what's going to happen so you should probably just cancel because right. uh, it's your it's your rehearsal dinner sure but what else are you going to do i mean you need to make other plans so uh, that was kind of hard and uh and then my employees of course so I'm like the father figure. I'm like the second oldest person there. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I'm oh, the I'm father. Older. I'm older. Yes, you are. Older. <laughs> so, so I'm, yeah, and so I'm like, what are we gonna do? Um, we were talking. What are we gonna do with all of our employees? I said, well, this is what the the rainy day funds for. So we'll pay our employees and, and figure it out from there. What so, so the story I read, and he tells that very nonchalantly. Oh, no, right? Yeah. I mean, what are we gonna do? Well, we'll just pay him. I mean, we'll just, that's what we do. But the story no. that I heard was was from from the from your employees perspective and from the outside looking in perspective is you know a husband and wife team that's that's uh, established in this monument Inn restaurant they've been through hell and back with some some other natural disasters now there's a man-made disaster that's really affected their business for i believe 42 days mm -hmm. total Six weeks. but Six. but you didn't blink an eye you said so, so i'm the father figure what are we gonna do with our employees we don't want to lose them they've been good to us let's be good to them you paid them for 42 days to do whatever, right? Once you got the opportunity to get in, you guys cleaned up or you got rid of spoiled stuff or you restarted, but you didn't let them go. No. And as a pillar in the community, as a leader for your organization and your restaurant, you decided this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna take care of them. Uh, we're, we're family. We're not We're not going the other direction. Well, they helped me get the ready day fund. And all but Why one. Give the ready day fund back to them. And all but one came back and stayed with you. All but That's one, right. is that right? And that one, for whatever reason, doesn't matter because four out of five dentists recommend dentine anyway. <laughs> but 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 all joking aside, you know you know, a huge a huge. I mean, I and admire this the this fact. This isn't a small crew either. No, you have how many how employees? Many? Payrolls of seventy five thousand dollars every two weeks. Okay, so those are big payrolls. You're raining my wait staff that makes two thirteen an hour. I'm like, well, how are we going to compensate them? I said, well, let's just do. Go back through the past payrolls. Yep. We'll figure out what they would normally make on a Monday lunch or a Monday night or Saturday night. And we're going to pay them the amount that they would have made during those shifts. That's what we did. I mean, do you know of anyone else who would have done that? No, no. I mean, I, can I come work for you? <laughs> yeah, right? But only during natural disasters. Wait, wait, I don't have any history of pay, so that wouldn't help me at all. So anyways, <laughs> but it was the right thing to do. I mean, I, I told him, I said, you know what? I said, we're in a great position. We're comfortable and stuff. So we... Uh, they worked and we benefited from their work and we had the extra money and the rainy day fund. Why wouldn't we give it back to the people who sure. actually really earned it? Sorry. 
Yeah, but you know, because of your track record in the business and you know how hard it is to maintain a business, number one, you know how hard it is to have those employees. I mean, I just think cooler heads prevailed in a very difficult time that said, this is what we're gonna do. It makes, you tell me how many young business <laughs> owners would have said, I'm paying everybody for 42 right. days. I don't care. Nobody. No. I don't well, know of anyone. So congratulations well, for that, doing that. Some it's of, yeah. Some of my worst times was realizing that we were not Bill Gates and we can't keep floating this. And so at what point, when when is it going to end? Right. For that, them and for us, when is ITC going to open? in serious the conversations. I'm sure. Because then I said to him one day, I was like, well, okay, so we're not going to open, worst case scenario. Now we need... If we sue or have to sue because whatever the insurance, it's going to be three years before we have a settlement. That's right. What are we living on personally right. for three years? What are we're looking at our expenses? You know what our mm -hmm. cable is. What we, you know. Well, that's still the case. We <laughs> it, right it, now we're in, we haven't quite sued them yet, but we're going to because sadly we don't want the insurance to. denied your claim. The insurance company denied the claim because I'm a little bit more outside the one mile limit than they think, even though they're wrong. Point three miles. <laughs> so, and then ITC, um, we haven't filed a claim with them yet. Um, we we'll, we'll probably will end up doing it. Um, and so it's not that we want to sue, but this is just no. the way it happens. You have to. It's just the way it happens. Right. But it unfolds it's, 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 it's in America so today. That's not the way I do business, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate step in the in, or in a cog in the wheel that's got to take place. But yeah. to Ann's point, it will be 36 months. Uh, and you'll only get forty percent of yeah, whatever you you know right. the lawyers get the rest. But it's it's a it's a downside of having to do a business. Now let me flip that for you because we talked about how bad that was. But then some of the literally some of the heroic decisions you made to to stay afloat to keep your people, and now the doors are open. Right? Mm -hmm. People heard your story, local local TV stations, other other people in the restaurant industry, and how what was what was their effect on you guys? Well, luckily, do you need uh, tissue? Again, it was very touching. To read the Facebook posts yeah. and the, I mean, he kept saying he had an epiphany. Do you need a tissue, Ann? Do you need to? <laughs> he just said, I'm, I'm changed by all of this. I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. Yeah. Um, I don't think either of us are. Um, you read the news, you watch the news, everything's negative, everything's bad. Sure. Yeah. It's so humbling. And I do tear up when I read the Facebook posts. Our families have been the love. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the reasons why you're here today is because I read some of those on your Facebook posts. I read some of the newspaper articles. Um, I read about the generosity of the community that reached out to give back uh -huh. to what you guys had done. And so it's, it speaks volumes about your character. Well, it's crazy is what it is. It's, I mean, I never would have thought <laughs> in a million years. <laughs> He won't even let me finish. He won't let me finish because he's going to cry more. Well, after 38 years, you can figure it out. So, uh, yeah, so. Um, I said, close your Facebook. He doesn't even know how to, like, share or post or anything. He's like, tell me, what does this mean? What does this mean? And I was, and, and I said, just stop. Put the Facebook. It was like talking to a 10-year-old. Put the phone down. Walk away. So stop all reading. of the support, I really right? Crying. I was really crying because I didn't have anything to do, and she was making me do housework. <laughs> but she didn't really know at the time. But, that's but, but to finish, look, it speaks volumes about your character, what you've been through. I mean, I, you're, you, I can tell you don't even want to hear what I'm saying. But I will tell you that at the 16 restaurants we've had on this show and the 25 years of experience that we have, you know, not even combined, right? 
Um, there's not a lot of people that would do that for their employees. And so the fact that you did, and then it comes full circle yeah. from gringos to other people sharing their generosity and gift cards for your employees and gift bags. I mean, these are things that were all just um, uh, ancillary, as important as they are, to your first reaction to help people mm-hmm. and take care of them. So, we hey, for every action, for every action, way. there's a reaction. Every action has a reaction, and that's what you got. Weird way. I think it was all kind of meant to be. Because we've changed, uh, the culture around the restaurants changed. Right. I mean, we were a family place anyhow, but now we're like, everybody's like, I mean, everybody's more closer knit, and we're more close than we were before. Talk about dysfunctional families. Like, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, but everything's changed, and so we're so grateful for what everybody's doing for us and this outpouring of support yeah. and all the business and stuff they're doing. I told Anna, I said, I said, we need to do something to pay it forward again. Yeah. Because it's, it's a sign. And so we, that's what we decided to do. And we're yeah. going to. So. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I, you deserve, you deserve what you're getting. And, and look, some, for some people that's bad. And for some people who do good, that's good. Right. And you're getting the good right now. So well, congratulations. Nice things. I've learned a lot. I've, this is a funny story, but I, I tell, I, she goes, what do you mean? And we're talking about, it. I said, I don't know. I just. I said, I've been trying to do nice things for people. Well, what do you mean? Give me an example. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so, so when I go to the grocery store, I said, I look for an old lady or something who's unloading her cart and stuff, and I'll go up to her and I'll say, let me help you unload your cart, and I'll take the cart back for you. After they don't, if they figured I'm not a pervert. They hit you with their purse, then you, you know. <laughs> exactly. But anyways, it, it's amazing what happens is, and then I saw... After I, I do that all the time, and then I saw this other lady who I take her I take her th- her cart back to the thing, and then she goes to the car next to her and does the same thing. She's paying it for it, and she was like seventy five years old. <laughs> and that way, I realized, well, you know what? If you do nice things for people, yeah. then people people really are nice, despite what you see in the news. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't watch that. We haven't watched one newscast since uh, since the whole incident because. There's just too much negativity. We don't watch flashbacks too. Yeah. Flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't watch it anymore, so it's just bad things. But if you keep your eyes open and you do nice things for people, it's funny how you see other people do nice things. Sure. Right. That's right. It, it, it's a matter I, I don't want to say it's like an energy or anything like that but oh, you do yeah, it draw is. it is kind of like it an is. energy where you know yeah. if you are actively doing that all of a sudden you Absolutely start to surround is. yourself around those people yeah. right. and it is it is contagious walking yeah. into a room smiling yeah. is contagious to the rest Absolutely of the room is. you know I do want to touch upon one thing that you yeah. did say too you know one to be able to have the rainy day fund that you did is, is one a smart business move so you know how you said there's there's not many people who would do it there's not a lot of people who were who would be in a position to be able sure. to do it either you know as much as y'all wouldn't want to we're blessed we are blessed well there's there's hard work that allows you to do that preparation so, too. preparation and, and and so forth and it's kind of like you know what we talked about with the whole luck situation it is hey you know what we are in this position we have the ability to do this because we've made smart decisions mm-hmm. 
years and years and years ago, you know, and we've 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 done that. We've talked about that before with other restaurateurs where it's, you know, same thing with like raising my son. He's two years old. It's, you know, we're setting the foundation so that, you know, years down the road, things are good. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, this, this is something. Not for the rewards later. Sure, exactly. And that's kind of what you need to do, right? So your son, you start, start putting away for college now. Mm -hmm. So that when you, when he turns 18, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, what? Uh, that was pretty funny, actually. Yeah. DC, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's so. So I won't. Yeah. You, go ahead. No, I, no, no, no. I, I, let's go past. I won't make you cry anymore. I, I promise. <laughs> I won't bring up. You know, all the nice things you did. All the nice things you did made you cry. So we won't talk about all the nice things you did okay. anymore. So, yeah. so after a successful run, right? That you guys have had with Monument Inn, you survived some really bad stuff and some good stuff. What's next? What? What? What's the future of the Monument Inn restaurant? I mean, your son Michael's working there now. Um, he's six years into getting his feet wet and, and stumbling and walking 17 miles a day and <laughs> you know, working, his, working his butt off. But what do you see for the future of the Monument Inn? I mean, your customers love, we talked about, they love the menu. As soon as you change something, they don't want you to change it. But do you see that evolving? And do you see that? Everybody always says, why don't you have a Monument Inn up here in Houston? Why don't you put one, you know, by the Galleria? And it just I, I just it's, it's it's a unique special you, you, situation yeah and, yeah and i'm not sure and if you can you don't mess with the niche so it's safe to say you you're content with that one location absolutely so i, I, my, I have plenty of headaches <laughs> and uh i live okay and uh that's where i'm staying and you're 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 we had another restaurant uh Lanyap. If you knew where that was, that's on Post Oak across from the water wall. Yep. It used to be Don Seafood. Okay. And so, uh, and that was actually a really super nice restaurant. And I was awesome proud of it. Uh, but that lasted how long? Two years. 94, two years. 95. A lot of money sunk into That's it. a pretty good run, though, for that area. For that area, a two-year restaurant is, is not that bad. Mm -hmm. We lost a lot of money. And we have this. I think it made us gun shy. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> the only thing we have from it is a bench. That we had. <laughs> I call it my three hundred and fifty thousand dollar bet. Well, it all lasts a lifetime. Yeah. 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 Mean, so we, where is that bench? I think it's in Allison's garage. Yeah. Great. So anyway, <laughs> so you live and learn. People ask all the time, "Are you going to open a restaurant?" Sure. No, I kind of learned my lesson. I'm good where I'm at. Yeah. And I can control my chaos. Yep. And, uh, I have a good balance. I coached my son's little league team from. Tommy is five to 14. Nice. I had enough time that I had a good balance in my life. And I think that's what's great about Aaron and Patrick. I mean, they're going to have a little bit of balance. Restaurant people really don't really have balance. So it's tough able to have balance. Then, then, then you should take advantage of it when you can. So. That's a good shout out to Aaron and Patrick Fijis. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we've talked about them a little bit, but super nice power couple. We call them another power couple in the yeah. barbecue community. Uh -huh. You guys are too now in the fried seafood arena. <laughs> but you're putting your mark on it and your family's carrying on the tradition. Yeah. So, so for those who don't know where you are, tell us where you're located. We're located at the end of Independence Parkway, right near the same Jacinta Monument. And the Battleship Texas, but not the Battleship For a little Texas. while, for a little while. For a little while, and they're going to... In Lynchburg. For, you either drive over. onto the ferry or you take it right into our park. So what's your address on Independence Parkway? 4406 Independence Parkway South. Right by the ferry. It's right by the ferry. So you come out 225 North. No, 225. North off of 225. Okay, all right. So not too far. And then 
How about on social media? Where do people find you on social media? You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. If you asked me that eight weeks ago, I mean, I think three months ago, I said, I have no absolute clue. <laughs> That's not your cup of tea. That's not your wheelhouse. I might not. And I didn't think it was, but I learned a lot during this whole ITC thing. Well, the social media thing is actually a lot more powerful than us old fogies think it is. <laughs> so, um, I resemble I that. I resemble that powerful. remark. And then yeah. I learned. Uh, well, what a share of, was, what it means to do a share. Yeah, I did. And then I learned that, you know, that's one of the ways we could get our information out. Sure. Right? So if we didn't get a, a news article or something, yep. the only way we could get information out was to send it out uh, via social media. And then they send it out and out and out. And then next thing you know, we opened up our doors and holy cow. <laughs> People lined up. I was, it, I'm just blown away. Well, so so you, I don't know if I asked this question. Or not. How did the, how did your customers embrace you when you opened up the doors? I mean, I know y'all were keeping some communication out there via Facebook and you know, letting people know where. It was but, very emotional. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I would be a better person to ask about that. So it was good. Yeah. So okay. it was good. Yeah, people were coming from all over. You could see oh, the love on Facebook. It was incredible. Willis and Cypress, and they drive an hour. I felt like Kim Kardashian. I've seen your butt. That's not no. You're no. Not you're not even close. <laughs> and then Michael said that they're quoting a two-hour wait. So they're waiting two hours, then right. they're eating for two hours, and they're driving back home for an hour. Who does that? People that want to reward other people for doing good things. That's how I'm getting this good people pay it forward thing. Yeah. Because before this whole thing, I mean, I knew there was good people out there, but if you watch the news and hear all this negativity, yeah. it's kind of that's all you hear. Yeah. And I, I never really knew there was this many good people out there, really. And yeah. so I've decided that uh, I'm going to uh, be the... The steward? The steward for the good people. The steward of the good cause. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I will not make you cry. And he's, and he's in a kitchen doing this? Like, oh, wait, wait, where did you come I, from, Bob? I told my friends and things, that, you know, go, you're awesome. I go, well, I'm just doing what I feel is right in my heart. I've always led through my heart. I've yeah. always, I'm very emotional, so... Really? Uh, no. <laughs> so I've always led through my heart. I've made decisions through my heart. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of like what I want to do now. So. so go ahead. You well, something? I was just going to say, I think that y'all, one, it's been absolutely wonderful having y'all on the podcast. Oh, y'all nice. have undersold and underplayed what you did immensely and we could mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. go on another hour talking about don't make him cry don't yeah. make him well cry. just you know from patrick and aaron from from what they said and how much people in the industry who understand what it takes to do that y'all have underplayed it like crazy when i told my dad today who was coming on the podcast he knows y'all's establishment he lives in you know willis and you know it's just old oil guys you know and, and stuff who have dispersed or who used to come through that area who you know, we're like, you know what, we're going to come out, we're going to support and we're going to, you know, help this establishment that he took his brothers to 30 years ago, you know, 25 yes. years ago, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So um, to, to keep that legacy going is incredible. To do what you have done is incredible. Um, and we cannot emphasize that enough from guys who, you know, understand and I'm sure our listeners understand as well. Anybody who has to shut a business down for the extent of, extent of time that you did. 42 days. That's, that's just incredible to do been, that. Uh, enlightening. Let's just yeah. say enlightening. Never too old to learn new tricks. Never Is that right, old, Bob? Yeah, never too old. I mean, I am um, very humbling. 
Yeah, well, that's obvious. Well, there have been so many nuggets throughout this entire podcast. I know I've learned a lot. You know, I, I hope our listeners can can take away and, and apply any sort of lesson to, to their lives um, because th- there is a lot in this one podcast, yep. you know. So I really appreciate y'all opening up so much to us um, and sharing this story. And I and I hope people people hear this, share it, and, and then make their way out to y'all. Um, you know, because because what y'all have done is phenomenal. Well, <laughs> and I would say this: I would add that to the closing is that sure. uh, along the way, there's always someone helping, helping, helped you somehow, gave you a hand to get ahead, mm-hmm. uh, watched out for you. Is there anybody you want to say thank I you to? Be, I want to be that guy to somebody else. Well, who helped you along the way? It's got to be somebody. Well, the one guy can who's said you need to open up your catering business. Okay. This All right. Thing. So and so. Uh, I, th- I think that was probably the guy that probably started the whole thing. So just be nice and make sandwiches. Go, oh my God, I cannot believe I yeah, did not say that. <laughs> no, that's okay. There's been other people that have been big influences sure. and things, but... Uh, Anybody you just want to say thank you to for that besides Ken? Me. Especially during this the, that time of crisis. That you crisis know, that fire right was now. was going on. You know, that community probably pulled together, you know. Well, Your I, staff, Felicia, my, my right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. My employees that uh, mean the world to me. They are my weird dysfunctional family. And, and so, and, I mean, you, people ask me, well, why did you do it? I said, well, they're, they're my family. Yeah. So, uh, and that's when the you, reason why I do it. When you work in the restaurant, what, you know you're and in. that's what you would do if the trenches, your family, right? right. And yep. you bond with the people in the trenches sure. with you. Mm-hmm. And if they've worked there for 35 years, like LB or Rob, they're, they, like you said, they're family. They're, yeah. You, you know, you just, you don't turn Well, I think down. most organizations would agree, number one, that, that you know, their staff is like family. And if they're lucky enough to have staff like yours or leadership like y'all's, then they're they're really they're really going to do well. So on that note, I just want to say thank you for coming, taking the time to be with us. Thank you. Bob this and Ann Laws, great conversation. Congratulations thank on your you success. Thanks. <laughs> Bob needs another napkin. But no, seriously, congratulations. You guys have, I mean, and it's not like it's come easy, right? You've gr- you grinded out. You've survived disasters. You're doing well. You're making a positive impact on people. Hey, great job. That's hey, air five, air high five. That's, That's all I'm trying to say. So good things happen to good people. And so be one of those good people and good things will happen to you. Yeah. Anything? Man, I, I just cannot appreciate it more. You know, every single guest that we've, we've had on this podcast, it's just been more and more incredible. So, and, and y'all are, y'all are definitely part of that. I'm so definitely. happy to have that. Us. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on Cost of Goods Told. Uh, check out Beavers Westheimer 6025. Come by, have a drink, get some barbecue. Um, thank you to Duke's Premium Meats for being a sponsor. And as always, go to Monument Inn Restaurant. Give Bob a big hug and a napkin. <laughs> in, a, in a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next issue, we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Duke's Premium Meats Home Delivery is your one-stop shop for premium quality meats delivered right to your doorstep. Delivering all over the United States, Duke's Premium Meats offers you the best in quality by personally working closely with local ranchers and butchers. Duke's Premium Meats offers everything from fillets and lobster tails to heart-shaped ribeyes to Texas-raised Wagyu brisket. Get amazing meat delivered right to your door by using Duke's Premium Meats. Visit their site at www.dukespremiummeats.com.